Look with me, if you would, at Ephesians 4. And I want to read to your hearing the first 15 verses. And I want to speak to you upon the proper structure. Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 1. Hear now the word of the true and living God. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given a great given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning and, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have read and heard your inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. God, in the reading of what we just read, reading it just doesn't even need to be explained. We can see the words jump off the pages at us for how you want believers to operate in Christ and the structure that we see for your church. But God, as we do consider this passage deeply, give us eyes to see what you have. Give us ears to receive what you have for us. Give us hearts and wills to obey the commands of the Lord. All these things we ask and pray in Jesus' mighty, precious, and holy name. Amen. We could indeed spend weeks walking through this chapter verse by verse, even word by word. Um, and we may do that. When we get on the other side of Resurrection Sunday, I'm kind of torn in between going with First John or here in Ephesians. But uh, we'll, I'll, we'll worry about that when we get there. But I don't want us to bypass all of this section because it is so profitable for us. I have four points and we'll see how much we can get through. We may have to save two of them till next week because I don't want to rush it. I want to really develop uh, the depthness of points two and three, but let's begin with point number one, verses one through three, we see the serene or the lowly walk of the church, the serene walk of the church. Take note of what it says there in verse one, the apostle Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Paul, the apostle of God said he was the prisoner 
of the Lord. By mentioning of his imprisonment to Christ, he reminds the reader that he knows the Christian walk can be costly and that he has paid himself considerable costs due to his obedience to the Lord. Paul is exhorting and encouraging his readers to do something that he was already doing himself, and that is be willing to suffer hardship for the cause of Christ. We have begun to see this bubble here in the West, here in our nation, and in the, nation, and in the, the country of Canada above us. In the year 2020, we saw churches wrongfully forced to shut their doors by the tyrannical power of the government. In the U.S., many pastors were fined. Some were put in jail. In Canada, it was much worse because numerous pastors were arrested. They were jailed and mistreated simply for conducting worship on the Lord's Day. But that's nothing compared to what many are enduring right now. I've talked often about what goes on in the country, in the nation of China. Christianity is forbidden. Biblical Christianity is forbidden. Pastors are often arrested mid-service. And those that, in provinces where it is very strict, can't even meet publicly. They meet secretly and they do it faithfully week after week. Knowing that at any time that boot could come through the door, kicking it open, arresting them all, and they never see their families again. But week after week, they faithfully meet. And to the natural mind, it wonders how. How do they do it? How do they remain faithful? The Apostle Paul talks about it. He says, I am the prisoner of the Lord. I am the prisoner of the Lord. I am bound to Christ. And we have a bad connotation of the word prisoner. The New Testament uses language like prisoner and slave. And we have these evil connotations that go along with it. Paul would often say, I am a slave to Christ. Not a slave that was mistreated, but a slave, a servant who would faithfully and with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength serve the Lord Jesus Christ above all else. That Christ was the most important person, the most important thing in his life. And Christ was above all things and he served him before all things, even if it came to the, uh, to the harm of his own body. Reminds us of what uh, the Apostle Peter answered to the Lord Jesus in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 66, says, As a result of this, many of his disciples went away and were not walking with him anymore. They came apart in Jesus's, there came a point in Jesus' ministry where people just began to leave him. The teachings became hard. They became hard to understand. The, 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 uh, Miracles uh, stopped being done in front of them. He stopped, uh, the, the, the food got cut off. And Jesus would even say that in places that some of you followed me just because you want to get fed and you want to see a show. You want to see the miracles and you want to be fed. And that's the, the, the only reason why some of you follow me. And we see in John 6 verse 66 that many of them that were walking with him left. They left him. So Jesus said to the 12 in verse 67, do you also want to go? And listen to what the, the Apostle Peter says. Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You only have the words of eternal life. 
And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Once a person has truly, truly tasted the heavenly gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, there is nowhere else to go. There is nowhere else to go. When you have a firm grasp on what has real value, on what truly has value, everything else fades away. Everything else fades away to the point to where nothing matters more so than Him. And when He matters most, when He is first, everything else will fall into alignment. And things that the world throws at us make no more sense. Sports, actors, actresses, video games, foolishness. Now, I'm not saying some of those things aren't good for... um, enjoyment and and relaxation in the proper context but the people that paint their bodies up and 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 invest money in in memorabilia and stuff to go sit in the frigid cold or the blazing heat to worship a sports team i do not understand it and that is exactly what they're doing i don't care what they say they are worshiping those people playing that game When a person sees that their only true value is found in Jesus Christ, everything else fades away. Nothing else holds a candlestick to him in in who he is and what he has done. And then you bring that in context of what we've been talking about, about being members of a local church. He loved all of us. So therefore, what are we supposed to do? Love one another. I talked about this last week. I have a responsibility to you as pastor to preach the truths of the word of God, to preach the truth, to to oversee the, 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 the spiritual health of the church. You all have a responsibility also to one another, to encourage one another. I'm here to do that too, but to encourage one another, to prop one another up, to do life with one another if need be, to be there to hold another's hand when you go through difficult times and you cannot get that watching a TV screen at home. You cannot get that through Zoom. And you cannot have that intimacy in bouncing around from church to church. Now, a person, a, a person who is truly born again and saved in Jesus Christ should either be in, I've said it many times, should either be in a local New Testament church actively serving or they should be actively looking for a local New Testament church that they can be in and actively serve. Therefore, Paul, Paul exhorts the readers of this epistle. He says, I am the prisoner of the Lord. I am the prisoner of Christ. And I beseech you, walk worthy of the vocation that you're called, of your calling. Walk worthy of the walk that you have been called to. And look what it says, verse 2. It says, with all lowliness. That means humility. Pride has no place in the heart of the believer. Pride has no place in our heart. We can, uh, we take pride in your appearance to a point, but we don't let it get to a point to where it's idolatry, right? We take pride in, 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 in the things that the Lord has entrusted with, right? You keep it up because uh, uh, we, should, we should be good stewards over what the Lord has given us. 
But none of us, no one is better than anybody else because we are all sinners that have been saved by grace. And it says, with all lowliness and meekness, that's gentleness, gentleness, bear, uh, with long-suffering, patience, man, patience. We need to be patient with one another, forbearing one another in love. We need to uh, walk with lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. We need to remind ourselves that, hey, we're not perfect. We're not perfect, so we shouldn't hold anybody else to a standard of perfection either. We do not have the Christian walk perfected. Wes touched on this during Sunday school. None of us have the Christian walk perfected. If we did, we wouldn't be here. We'd be dead and in heaven. The process of sanctification is not complete until we all do indeed get to heaven where we are sanctified. So we are all still redeemed sinners who should be seeking to crucify our old nature and treat one another with love. And keep in mind that while we're crucifying our old sin nature, our brothers and sisters are doing the same thing. And our commitment and our dedication and our responsibility to one another is to encourage them. Encourage them to crucify that sinful nature. And when someone is having one an off day, you ever have one? You ever have an off day where you just can't seem to walk in the spirit, where the flesh just seems to dominate all day long, where you just seem to just be short-tempered with everybody? So you need to be patient with other people when they have one too. We're all on that cosmic lathe, that spiritual lathe of the Lord. And with His chisel, He's fashioning us. With every trial that comes, He fashions something off. Every time we get into, we dig into His Word, fashions off more, and He's molding us and conforming us into the image of His Son. With all gentleness, lowliness, meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It means we're to love one another. Love one another. And I want, I want to read that to you. Look, turn, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. I've said many times, I, I, I hate the way, with, with a righteous indignation, I hate the way the world has twisted and, and turned and perverted that verse. But we are to love one another with a Christ-like love. A love of service, that phileo love, that brotherly love. And even that agape love where we put our own needs to the back burner and put someone else's ahead of ours. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. God manifested His love toward us through Jesus on the cross. How do we manifest our love? Love one another. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God, love his kids. Love God and love his kids. That's how, that, that is how the church exists. Herein, not, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be that substitute, to be the blood upon the mercy seat for us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. This is how the world sees that we know Jesus Christ is how we love. The love of Christ should radiate from us. It should beam up. It it should come off of us like sweat in the summertime. We should be people that love. It says, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells within us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed that love, the love that God hath to to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. I brought that up many times for those that have the, their spiritual hang up or fiery dart of the devil that you want to call it, the lie of the devil that impedes their mind off and on that they fight is are they really a Christian? Are they really and truly saved? One of the determining factors that lets you know, not guess, not ponder, not not wonder, but to know that you belong to Jesus Christ. Do you love the church? Do you have a love in your heart for the church? I've said it many times throughout this series. There's no such thing as that Lone Ranger Christian. The person who says I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church because I don't want to be around hypocrites. There's no place in the New Testament or in the Bible as a whole for that. You don't want to go to church with them, but you don't mind going to work with them. You don't mind going to Walmart with them. That's how we know that we belong to Christ is if we have a love for the church. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. With everything that's going on in the world, I am at great peace. Why? Because of the love of God. Because knowing that God is in control of all things, I can't do a thing in the world about anything outside my own home. And I can't do much inside of my own home as it is. I have to yield that to Him as well. Be obedient to Him and yield that to Him as well. But I can't control what happens outside. I can't control what's going on in the rest of the world. So what's the use in me getting all bent out of shape, churned up inside? Give it to the Lord. He's powerful enough to handle it. And trust in Him. Trust in His power, His sovereignty. That's the peace of God that passes all understanding is knowing that He is in control of all things at all times and that no matter what happens, the child of God is either going to be fine or be fine. 
The prisoner of Christ is going to be here to suffer and serve or either go home. He'll provide for us. If we're supposed to be here, then he'll provide for us. He'll meet our needs. We may have to have our wants refined. We may have to do without some wants. We may have to do without some comforts. God may be pleased that we glorify him in that way to lose comforts, but he will make sure that our needs are met until he sees fit to call us home. And trusting and resting in that gives such, such peace. That's perfected love. Love isn't always just feelings. I talk about, I've been talking to several people here recently about the younger generation. I was talking to my brother-in-law yesterday. The generation that's younger than me and even high school age, early 20s. They're, if, they're really, if they're good at one thing, it's, it, they're good about being all about their feelings. Their feelings, their precious feelings. Their feelings get hurt, this and that. They don't, you know, it's all about feelings. Love is not always feelings. It's not always lovey-dovey feelings. Love is truth. Truth that is founded in Christ. And when your love, when you know the love of Christ, when your mind and your sight when is fashioned on Jesus Christ, when he is first place, that's the love of God that will fill your heart and that peace that passes all understanding and that perfect love that casts out fear. If a man say that I love God, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, if a man say that I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. So for the one who says, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church because I, I, the church is full of hypocrites, he doesn't really love God. He's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath not seen, how can he love God whom he hath seen? How can he love God whom he hath not seen? How is a person supposedly going to, uh, how can a person supposedly love Christ that they say that is the Savior of their soul who died to save the church if he says that he doesn't love the church? It makes no sense. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? It is not possible. One must go hand in hand with the other. That's why it's so important to be in a church. I can't express that enough. And I pray that you are expressing it to other people. The importance of being in a local church, doing life together with one another, knowing, you know, hey, this brother or this sister has this coming up. So we all need to circle the wagons and pray. This person has this going on in their life. We need to pray. We need to see if they need us for anything. The Lone Ranger Christian doesn't get that. The one who, who, who wants to just watch a television evangelist and, and call that worship. Lord, help them. We're commanded to love one another. We're commanded to love one another. We show the world that we belong to Christ by the way that we love. Point number two. We see the seven unities of the church. Look what it says in verses 4 through 6. It says, There is one body and one spirit and one 
even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. I talked about this last week. We are all united in Christ, not by denomination. We are all united in Christ by the blood of Christ, not by denomination. We are united under certain key doctrines. There are certain basic biblical truths that one must affirm in order to be a Christian. Now, we may not agree with everything that the Pentecostals do, but if they hold to the basic truths of the faith, then they are our brothers and sisters. And that goes for every other denomination. One of the, the, the basic truths is listed there, that there is one body, one body of Christ. The church, which is composed of every saint who has ever trusted or, ever will, or will ever trust in Christ as their Savior and Lord. One body. The entire body of Christ is not sitting under this roof right now. This is just a portion, a part of the body. The Greenwood Baptist Church is a part of the body of Christ. Then he goes on to say one spirit. There is obviously one spirit, and that is the Holy Spirit of God, who is possessed, who dwells in every believer, and there is therefore the unifying force of the body. And let me say this, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is just as much God as the Father and the Son. He is a person. He is a he. He is not an it. He is a person. One Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. There is only one hope. There's only one hope. There are not many hopes. There's only one hope. As it says in the text, as ye are called in one hope of your calling. And that hope is founded in Jesus Christ. It is a hope that is backed up by infallible scriptural truth. And it's a hope that will one day be reality. It is a hope that is not in vain. It is a hope that will one day be reality. And then there is obviously one Lord. One Lord. The the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary is not a part of the Godhead. Christians do not find salvation in Mary. Christians are not to pray to Mary. Mary does not intercede for us. That is all the work of our only Lord, Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, And there is salvation in it, there, and neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Consequently, there is only one, because there is only one body, because there is only one spirit, one Lord, there is only one faith. There is only one faith. This is not referring to the act of faith by which a person is saved or continuing faith that produces godly living, but this, this speaks to the body of doctrine that's revealed in the New Testament. In true Christianity, there is only one faith. Jude uh, verse 3 says, Beloved, while I, make, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, that's the one faith, I felt necessary to write to you exhorting you that you contend, that you earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. One faith down through church history. One faith for one Lord, one Spirit, one eternal Godhead. There's one faith. The Joel Osteens of the world, the Oprah Winfrey's of the world are wrong when they proclaim that all faith practices lead to heaven. That is heresy. That is a lie forged in hell. 
The Christian, the Buddhist, the Hindu, the Muslim, the Hare Krishna, the Mormon, the Jehovah's Witness, the one who practices New Age, they all do not worship the same God. All roads do not lead to heaven. All roads lead to God. I'll give them that. All roads do lead to God. One is through Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life in heaven. The other leads to the wrath, the unmitigated, the unvarnished wrath of God for all eternity in hell. And it says there is but one baptism. One baptism. This refers to the spiritual baptism when the Holy Spirit comes upon us when we are, when our eyes are open to our sin and we trust in Christ for the salvation of our soul and the Holy Spirit comes and sets up residence within us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit at that time. And then it says one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. The basic doctrine of Judaism of the Jewish people is that there is but one God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, For hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And God's oneness is just as foundational in Christianity. We do not worship three different gods. We worship one eternal God existing in three divine persons. The New Testament reveals that. It shows us the more complete truth in how God exists. You see this revealed in, the, uh, in Matthew tra- chapter 28, verse 19, the, in the Great Commission command, where, God, where the Lord Jesus says, Go and baptize the nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. See it in, in uh, places like John 6, 27, John 20, verse 28, and how about Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4? Ananias and Sapphira, they held back a portion of the money of the land that they sold, right? And they lied about it. And they were, they were confronted about it and said, why? What, what, what caused you to lie to, uh, to the Holy Spirit? What caused you to lie to the Holy Spirit? For you have not lied unto man, but unto God. There is not a hierarchy in the Godhead. The Father is not at the top, and then the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. They all one eternal Godhead. One eternal Godhead. Revealed in three divine persons. Our one God and Father with the Son and the Holy Spirit is over all and through all and in all. And that comprehensive statement points to the glorious divine unity. Unity that the Father gives to believers by His Spirit through His Son. Listen to this. We are God created. We are God loved. We are God saved. We are God fathered. We are God controlled. We are God sustained. We are God filled. And we are God blessed. He is who is above all, through all, and in you all. And that's where we're going to stop this week. I don't want to go any further because if I do, you'll be here till next Sunday. But I want you to hold on to that. We are God created. We are God loved. We are God saved. God fathered. God controlled. God sustained. God filled and God blessed. God is in all. He is in control of all. And we are God blessed. One faith, one faith, one Lord, 
No matter what the outside world tries to tell us, one faith, and there's only one way. The only one way, the way of salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says no one comes, uh, 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 that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes unto the Father but through him. The lost and dying world tries to tell us different. Tries to tell us that you need to just, the only thing is the here and now and get all you can while you can, however you can, with whoever you can. The Bible tells us, the Lord tells us that there are consequences for thinking that way. And those consequences separate, it's sin and they separate us from God. And the consequence goes even further because it says the wages of sin is death. Pursuing sin in this life leads to death. It leads to destructive consequences. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death, the Bible tells us. The only way to peace in this life is to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way. We've talked about it many times. I don't, I don't know how the outside world exists Especially with everything in the last two years, how people can exist without Jesus Christ. I couldn't fathom it. To be carried along, to be, to, to, to be tossed to and fro, as it says in the, uh, the other part of the chapter, carried along by every whim. This sounds good, so you believe it for a little while, then you jump onto this, tossed around by a piece of clothing and a dryer. So in closing, I will just, just say, will we pick up next week with the structure, the structure that God has for the church. We're united together. We are to be united together in Christ. We're not united with the other faiths in the world, but we are united to other believers who hold fast to the truths of the Bible who hold fast to the basic truths, the inerrancy of Scripture. There are some people that call themselves Scripture and they don't believe what, this, what it says in this Bible. If you do not hold to, the, to, to what this says, if you do not believe that every word of this from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 is inspired, means that it was God-breathed, that it's inerrant, means that it doesn't have any errors, that it is the, uh, what, the, uh, what God says, that it is truly His Word, and that we should obey what it says. If someone does not hold to that, they are not a Christian. They are not a Christian. They are just as lost as anyone who just outright denies belief in God. And we're to hold fast to that. We are united together in Christ. One body. One body of Christ. We're united together by the Spirit of God. So while we're meeting here in this worship, we are united with all brothers and sisters around the world. We're united with the folks down at Axton. We're united with the folks up in Mount, uh, Mount Vernon. We're united with the people who are worshiping in other parts of the world through the Spirit of God. One Lord. One faith. One baptism of regeneration. One God and Father of all who is above all through all and in you all. I have a, I don't know. I don't know if I should go here or not, but I've had some discussions with a, uh, a gentleman that I, that I work with, and he has a very difficult time 
dealing with the, the subject in the Bible of election and predestination. And he, 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 uh, I've read it, taken through several of the passages. He doesn't, he doesn't understand it. Now, we all won't firm, won't, won't thoroughly understand it all on this side of heaven. Trying to understand how God saves a person is truly beyond our comprehension. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 tells us that the secret things belong to God, the revealed things belong to us. But you look at the Bible, and I know this, and I know this above all else. Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, the the triune Godhead, when it comes to salvation, he took the first step, and then the second step, and then the 99th step, and then the 156th step. He did it. There is a responsibility of men and women to to obey, to respond to the gospel command, to repent, but God did it all. Jesus paid it all. Salvation is truly of the Lord. So, what do we do for our our, our, those of those that we know that are lost? Same thing that was done to us. We tell them the gospel. We share the truth in love with them. And we water it with prayer. And then we water it with some more prayer. And then we water it with more prayer. And believing in faith that our God can do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we could ever ask or think. We proclaim the message and we leave the rest up to Him. Let's pray. Father and God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the high privilege to be able to come and to worship You. Father, we do thank You for the the truths that are revealed to us in the Word of God. We thank You, Lord, that we who are in Christ, who have been saved, that we are prisoners, just as Paul said. Not prisoner in a terrible, con- in a terrible sense, but Lord, there is nowhere else that we can go. Only You have the words of eternal life. And where else would we want to go? Where else would we want to flee to? But only flee to Your feet. Flee to your saving arms. God, help us. Place within us a heart to have that, for other people to have what we have. Help us to be faithful and obedient, to go out into the world, to tell them about their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, people are so consumed this day and time with things that they see on TV and things going on around the world, things that go on in their personal life and they can't see their ultimate need to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Master as Lord of life. So God, help us to be flashlights. Help us to be road signs. Help us to be people that love, that show the love of Christ to a lost and dying world that they would be convicted of their sin and brought to faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. All these things we ask and pray in Jesus' precious, holy, and worthy name. Amen.